Welcome to the St Albans podcast, bringing you news, views and reviews for the city and district of St Albans. In association with the Hearts Advertiser. Hello and welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Podcast with me, Danny Smith. Coming up on this edition of the St Albans Podcast, we have our very own food and drink correspondent, Becky Alexander. She'll be joining us, uh, probably banging on incessantly about a brand new book that she's got out uh, right now. But before that, let's go straight to Matt Adams from the Hearts Advertiser. Hello, Matt. Hello. Um, do you have... Oh, I haven't got your mic on. Let's try that one again. Hello. Hello. There All you right. go. Yeah, You're I had Laura's mic on and she's not even here. Oh, bless. Yeah. She'll, she'll be back soon, won't she? Hopefully. Yeah, she she's just had a she's had one of her moments, hasn't she? She's sort of forgotten <laughs> where she is and she woke up, she was in a shopping centre. <laughs> Wandering around yeah, the aisles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Looking for boutique uh, clothing establishments <laughs> as she does. But anyway, so hopefully uh, she's she's listening undoubtedly because she, she's one of the three. And, uh, you know, we wish you all the best, Laura, and we can't wait to see you again. Yeah, get well soon. Yeah. You haven't got a book out, have you, Matt? Uh, no, not this week. Okay, so I guess just talking about news then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where would you like to start? <laughs> right, well, they... Um, Update on the Auburn Arena, which um, obviously closed right at the beginning of the pantomime season last December, um, after asbestos was found um, in the in the building. Uh, now it seems. Well, am I sorry? Yeah. Just to pick you up on that, am I right in thinking they knew there was asbestos there, but but yes, something had yes. been buildings of that uncovered age, or yeah, always have you know well often have asbestos in. But they did a they did an inspection in January uh, last year. Um, but during an unrelated survey in December, dust was found that um, encapsulated asbestos and they took a load of tests and there was contamination in some of these samples. So they cancelled all the performances before um, deciding to remove it entirely. So they're not just going to patch it up. They're going to do a big one-off cost, um, avoid it being an issue in the future. Um, and that's going to cost about two and a half, two thousand five hundred. Sorry, two hundred fifty thousand pounds. Right, not two thousand. You're not very good on the math section of countdown, really. are you? No, no. Small letters, letters. Yeah, yeah. That's your bit. <clears throat> two hundred fifty thousand pounds, quarter of a million pounds to patch mm. to to remove this completely. That's right. Now that's not people don't have to get alarmed. That's not an extra cost that the council's got fined. They've got a fund earmarked for repairs and maintenance. So, so it comes out of a contingency fund. It is, yeah. So there's no extra budget. Um, they put um, uh, money um, aside every year to in case of this. But however, it does mean um, that there might be a, a more pressure on the programme for this year because any unspent funds in this reserve are each year are, are put towards the um, uh, compliance programme. So um, it should be done at the end of February... Um, and hopefully that's that's when the arena will reopen. But a lot of big names have uh, had to postpone or be cancelled. So Jimmy Carr among them. Yeah, and I'm worried about him because you know if if he hasn't got the income from the arena, you know I hope he can keep his heating on. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, there, so there's a question I've got, and you, you, you're probably not going to be able to answer this. But given that the plan is to pull the place down, wouldn't sort of patching it up? rather than completely removing the asbestos, be, I would have thought that would have been the better option, would right. you? Well, that's just a, an, one idea for, you know, knocking it down and doing something else in space. It hasn't gone to any further down the line than the council saying that's what they'd like to do. That's the vision for that, that site. So, um, okay. you know, it hasn't got, it hasn't had approval, um, hasn't, you know, planning applications being put in. So it's a, 
uh, you know, I think this. So is if they a, were at that point, then that would have been a better oh, well, idea. Yeah, if, they were, if it was, you know, if it was close to happening, then yeah, I would, I would suggest they just patch it up well, before the bulldozers come in. Yeah. Uh, okay, but but so so that could be a, that's a longer term objective, um, yes. which has been no means sort of decided upon anyway. No, it hasn't. No, it's still in the um, in okay. the very early stages. Yeah. So, I, and I guess as well then that that, that if the arena is going to exist as it currently is for for a period of time, to patch it up could be a false economy because then you might need to patch it up a bit more in six months' exactly. time, and you might need to, and, and you might have to close it again, and you know there's all sorts of. Yeah, costs associated. So, with so, that. so they, they've decided it is better to bite the bullet and just remove it at that cost than yeah. other. Okay, well, p- people are going to clearly have opinions on this, aren't they? And, and and undoubtedly, there will still be some who might even believe there's still a conspiracy at play here in all this. Um, but, but uh, I mean, do you, th- in your opinion, do you think the council are being quite transparent on this one? Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think they have actually. You know, they've. The, the issued very detailed statements on every step of the proceedings. So, do, do you find it in any way sort of infuriating that that you do see these people on on social media platforms and the like spouting conspiracy theories about the lack of transparency, but they seem to do it in the wrong, like over the wrong things? Because I'm from what I have seen and observed over the years, there are there are places where the council could very fairly be accused of a lack of transparency, but not necessarily where some of the people think it is. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, but that's social media for you. I guess it? so. Platform yeah. For yeah, all sorts of ideas. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, well, that's the latest on the Auburn Arena. We'll have more from Matt Adams. A bit later. Oh, my mic went funny there. We'll have more from Matt Adams uh, a bit later. <laughs> Becky Alexander, our very own local food critic, is here with us on the Sun Podcast. Hello, Becky. Hello. Hi. Uh, good to see you here. First time we've been together in a studio for nearly two years. I know, it's really nice. Yeah. You haven't aged so- a day. How do you do it? <laughs> it's so much nicer, isn't it, to be face to face and like old times. Yeah. Even in our little basement here, it's, uh, yeah. Um, it- it's a beautiful, sunny, crisp day, actually. I'm feeling yeah. very positive about things. Yeah, and we can almost see that through the frosted windows, can't we? It's <laughs> yeah. lovely in here. Yeah. But uh, thank you, thank you for coming in. Uh, Happy New Year and all that nonsense. Now, You've got a book out. I've heard a rumour. You've kept it quiet, haven't you? You've not really sort of said much about this. It's very nice of you to have me on here to talk about this. Yes, as uh, regular listeners will know, I have got a book out. And at long last, it's actually out and in shops. So it's called The Green Lunchbox. And um, it's all about veggie lunches um, so that you can make them at home or take them to work and it's just such a lovely book I'm saying I've I've brought you a copy in Danny but it's it's full of sort of there's some really easy things there's some things to prep ahead Um, so if you're you know a bit of a cheese on toast sort of person or you're in the habit of going to expensive sandwich shops every day this is this is going to give you some options there there are so many reasons aren't there why there is value in planning your lunch every day that, that lunch, would you say that lunch is so often the meal that we wing yeah and I just think why did the Brits do that because you need a decent lunch because you've got your busy afternoon ahead and you know all the family life to deal with before you cook a meal so you need a decent lunch you know and that for some reason Brits are really into sandwich and a packet of crisps or whatever whereas you think about the french they take a long lunch they have a three-course meal and we sort of rush through it so we don't really nourish ourselves so what i wanted to do was come up with things that aren't going to take too long but they're full of vegetables and protein and stuff like that so you're going to feel really good and you're not going to be starving at four o'clock and 
need lots of biscuits or whatever, okay. you know, to actually give yourself something that you need. So I think that I was trying to think of the reasons why people should do this and, and, and come, you know, follow the, the sort of philosophy of the book and, and, and then use the recipes that you've contained therein. But, but um, you know, obviously there's, there's the impact on your health, but then there's the impact on the environment and also, I think, on your pocket. Because if you, were, if you wing your lunch every day, I reckon you could easily spend 20 to 30 quid. You know, and that's like grabbing a sandwich and a drink every day. If you actually went and occasionally ate out somewhere at lunchtime, you could possibly double that amount. You, know, you only have to do that once or twice in, yeah. in a week. And, and then that's incredibly expensive. Whereas you invest a little bit of time uh, you know, ahead, you, can, you, could, you could have a week's worth of lunches at a fraction of the cost. Well, exactly. I mean, I used to work um, in London amongst other places. And if you go out and buy, I don't know, like a little plastic pot of salad or a sandwich and crisps, you're looking at, it can be six to seven pounds. And then you put in a drink, maybe a snack as well. Um, That really adds up. And there's sort of, you end up having the same sort of lunches on rotation as well. It's a little bit limited, but you could easily be spending, I think I added it up once. If you're eating, if you're buying lunch out every day on average, four or five times a week, um, you're looking at a couple of grand a year. You're also, it's the markup that gets me as well. You know, you get like half an egg or something in your salad and you think, oh my goodness, they're making so much profit out of this. I could have probably done it myself if I'd you know, give myself that time. Um, I think also for me, one of the reasons I wanted to make this about a green lunch thing is the packaging. There's just, if just visualize those rows and rows of sandwich packets and plastic pots. And a lot of that stuff is just going in someone's bin, isn't it? Mm. Let's face it, the office bin or whatever, or the bin in the St. Albans town center. They're not being recycled by elves and ha- carefully washed and separated it's just not it's going to landfill and, and incineration even the packages that look like they are um, more environmentally aware are not really because often it's a mixture of card and, and plastic and so that isn't always easy to to separate and recycle and and you know so you know i'm thinking of a particular uh, brand of sandwiches where it you know they're in a, it's brown and it looks a bit rustic and you think oh that must be environmentally friendly it's not really it's not easy no. to recycle that stuff no, it, it really isn't easy to recycle it. Um, we've got this big issue in the UK where even if you put your clear plastic in the recycling and we haven't got enough factories, so it's getting shipped mm. off to other countries. So that's not great. The other thing I found out is people are basically working through the night in these huge, great sort of cold warehouses to make sandwiches because we can't be bothered to make our own. You know, that's not, a, I mean, you know, that is a tough job those sandwiches then being transported all around the country Mm. uh, because we've got into those habits okay we are talking about the green lunchbox a book that came out just a week ago Uh, recipes that are good for you and the planet by becky alexander we'll have more from becky in a moment Hi, I'm Chris Aikman. Join me, local author Howard Linsky, and St Albans podcast producer Sam Rolfe for the St Albans Film Guide. Each week, one of us will guide you through the new releases at the cinema and on streaming services. We'll also give you our choice of the best films to watch on UK free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. So if you're a film lover, join us for a chat about all things movie-related every week as part of the St Albans podcast. New episodes will be released every Friday morning, For more information, visit sullivanspodcast.com or find us where any good podcasts are found. Let's get more from Matt. I like the alliteration there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've put put Laura's mic on again. Sorry about that. See, you can't help thinking of her when she's here. (laughs) 
It's because my fingers are not used here. to moving a certain way, and then when she's not here, I have to do a slightly different thing on the desk, and it's all. But anyway, um, as the actress said to the bishop. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Get well soon, Laura. Once again, we've mentioned her twice now. She's getting more <laughs> mentions when she's here. <laughs> she says more. <laughs> Less for me to edit out. <laughs> Anyway, next news story, Matt, if you please. Right, well, Verulam School has hit the national headlines over um, changes to their rules on hairstyles and uniforms. I don't know if you saw this. Mm. They um, they said that um, having, well, effectively excluding children because of their hairstyles is very archaic. Um, it, they, um, it, the, these sort of rules target students of colour, and then, then they, so they're discriminatory. And so they want, you know, the boys there to have freedom to have whatever hairstyle they want so afros long hair man buns cornrows bleach dyed whatever they want um which you know you know sounds like a really good thing and uh to an extent it is but not everybody has agreed um that this is the right way of approaching this policy um we spoke to um, a social worker shelly hayes who said that the you know the issue should be focused on the children rather than the school you know, they say she said that children with afro hair don't have a choice. Um, it's they have to protect and maintain their hair. It's costly and time-consuming. Sometimes a painful process. It's not like just choosing to have a man bun. Um, she asked whether you know all the black pa- pa- black parents are consulted about this change of policy. Um, she thinks that something like this needs to happen at a local and a national level. It shouldn't be one teacher. It should be a um, across the board, basically. Um, it, she says it comes across as a bit, bit of a tick box diversity exercise. Um, so it's quite neat. It's opened a real flood, a floodgates and a real debate on this issue. And it's coincided with Laura having done a big piece, um, which we were also planning, we also run this week that she'd been planning for weeks on the whole idea of Afro hair and, you know, students and children saying you know people come up and touch it um they have you know problems with um again with discrimination um that's all quite a big deal so it's interesting to see that um you know on the on the agenda as it were it is it is really funny isn't it how people in some situations would never dream of going up and touching someone's hair Mm. and then in other situations think it's absolutely fine yeah and and it does seem to largely be down to you know afro hair where people seem to think oh can i touch that yeah whereas it i'm I'm trying i was trying to think of examples of this in other sort of with other areas of society or culture and i was thinking i mean like so matt you're currently sporting a ponytail and like do people come up and like give that a flick i hate when people touch my hair I really do. Don't like it. So if they did, they'd be in trouble. Yeah. Um, but but have you had that much? I mean, is that something that you've had, you know, because I would imagine not, but but I don't know. Um, no, not really. No, I think, I mean, I think it is, you know, it is, you know, restricted to people, you know, people of colour, as it were. So what are the objections uh, to to this then? Um, well, you know, it's, it's what not are the different sides of this argument then? Objections per se to the fact that, you know, it, it, it just how, you know, how it, the approach is made. There wasn't a great deal of consultation. It just sort of appeared in the pages of a uh, national newspaper and as a fair company. And I think people would prefer, you know, more more discussion, more debate. Within the school? Within the school and, and in, you know, the wider society, really. You know, because this hair discrimination is a thing that, you know, people like us um probably don't think about i mean you know you haven't got any hair and i've old and gray and it's all just hangs in a, a mess on the back of my head yeah 
I have, I mean, having had a shaved head for quite some time, which is the way I prefer to describe it, <laughs> uh, the fairly wide centre part. Um, but, but sometimes people do, unin- people I know, but, but not like random mm. strangers, but people do come uninvited and like, like feeling the bristles. Do they? Yeah. Do you get any of that sort of patting on the head? Like, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But, but not to, any, I'm not trying to compare for no, a moment no. because it's not the same and it wouldn't be random people. Um, and it's not a cultural thing, mm. you know. So it, I'm not for a moment trying to say it's the same thing. Yeah. But 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 there is. It is quite invasive, mm. and it's a sort of thing, you know, to t- touching you in any way at all is a very invasive thing. And yeah. if it's not invited, then it's not wanted, is it? And and that's that's you know mm. that's absolutely wrong. I mean, one thing to stress is that. You know, for people of color, people of color, you know, the hair can in, can be a really important cultural thing. Yeah, you know, the different styles, and I, I'm I don't know. I'm not talking from experience, obviously, mm. and I don't want to speak out of turn. But this is what I've been led to believe. Yeah, um, I do. I mean, it's it's an interesting. I think it it opens as well an interesting area of debate about the whole thing of school uniforms because. It's something that in this country has always been quite a thing. In some countries, they have a very different approach to school uniforms. And um, and, and my views were changed on this a couple of years ago, talking to a teacher about this, because I, I grew up in a school which, which had quite a strict school uniform policy, and it was one of the worst schools in the area. This is not around here. And when I changed in the sick form, I did a year in that sick form, and they let you, rather than wear the school uniform, you could wear a suit mm. instead. And it was still one of the worst schools in the area. It was, a tra- you know, you can't polish a turd was, was something that, that occurred to me when thinking about this. I went to a different school halfway through the sick form and started the sick form again. And this one had no dress policy at all for sick form. You could turn up in jeans, T-shirt, wear whatever you want. And um, they had some of the best results in the, in the region, you know, exam results and things. And the standard at that school was so different. And it proved to me that it didn't make a blind bit of difference what you wore. If anything, the students responded better by being allowed to wear their own thing. But what was said to me by a teacher a couple of years ago that made me think differently is that school uniforms are a leveller. Because if, yeah, you know, yeah. and in poorer areas or, or poorer people in, in any school, they're not having to compete with wearing the latest fashions mm. that, that the more affluent kids are wearing because everyone's wearing a school uniform. And then I, th- I, I looked at it completely differently. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Yeah. But uh, but so, am I right in thinking from what you said there that that people involved with the school are saying they would much rather have had that discussion rather than reading in the national news? Yeah, that and it's, it's not so black and white as you know as it as it sounds. Yeah, um, it's you know it's it, it it's just you know presenting this new change of policy and saying it you know it's a fantastic thing is all very well and good, but it doesn't go beyond you know to, to the root of some of the issues. Yeah, I think they need to be discussed a lot more. We're back with Becky. It's all alliteration today. We had more from Matt and now back with Becky. Oh, I feel like you've done this before. It's, yeah, just once, but often don't let it show. Uh, so, The Green Lunchbox is a book that is out right now. Uh, recipes that are good for you and the planet by none other than Becky Alexander. And she's here now to share some of these with us. So, um, now it's going to be hard to say like which, what's your favourite because I guess... Not only are they all your favourites, you probably had to leave some out that you wanted to put in. But yeah. but is is there one or two that you might want to share with us now? Well, there's lots. Of, so um, I'm at the moment. It's quite chilly, and I do make a lot of soups at home. And one of the ones I make a lot is like a tomato and butter bean soup, and that's a really nice one if people are thinking, where do I start? Oh, someone's ringing. Hang on, sorry. Oh. It's all right. I've, I've silenced that. 
okay they obviously want one that's fine sell <laughs> sell um so butter beans are great for so one of the things if you buy a soup in like a sandwich shop they don't tend to have much protein in them but um all of these do so something like you just you, it's tins of tomatoes and butter beans it's very easy and very affordable that's a good one one of the ones that seems to be very popular so far is the spicy black bean soup because it's got a little bit of dark chocolate in it oh i know that that sounds weird but does that work it sort of works um it's it's a very mexican inspired thing so you get all these lovely black beans which are just delicious and you put in a tiny bit of dark chocolate and it just sort of takes away that sort of sharp tomatoey flavor that's very nice so that one's a good one and then this one i've been making at the moment is butternut squash and uh, blood orange soup which is actually incredibly easy it's only got about five things in it but um you can get blood oranges at Buongiorno Italia at the moment so they're nice and would you say now some of those perhaps need specialist ingredients from somewhere like uh, Buongiorno Italia or, or other such local places but would you say a lot of those you can just get from from what you'd ordinarily find in your regular supermarket without a doubt a lot of this stuff you can get from your your corner shop they're really basic or you can get lots of tins of things and have them in your cupboard right when you think oh what am I going to have you can you know and even really some of basic. these things perhaps what you might already have at home you might think oh I've actually got most of that Definitely. And things, I mean, I've got whole sections on loving your leftovers and using up bits and fridge foraging and all that sort of stuff. I mean, there's some uh, some snacks at the end of the book, right? For example, I've just opened this at Spicy Nuts and Seeds. And so this is if you've got some random nuts and stuff and how to sort of freshen them up again and put them in the oven and crisp them up. So if you've got random bits... Um, I've got a section on salads and some of the salads have got little bits of fruit in them. So maybe a bit of apple or maybe a zatsuma, you know, stuff that you might have just to make your lunch a little bit more interesting. Okay. So it doesn't have to be expensive, but I'm also trying to say to people, well, what have you got? What have you got? You know, have you got a pear that you maybe want to use? You can have that in a salad, put it in a sandwich if it's quite crispy, you know, have a go with what you've got. So you're not stuck in the same sort of routine of the same old sandwiches. Yeah. Okay, um, and and so the book's available from all good bookshops, uh, and and probably some of the ropey ones as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's beautifully bound and illustrated as well. Tell us about the illustrations because these are awesome. Well, this was the publisher, uh, Orion Books. They came up with this idea. So Sally Caldwell is an illustrator, and they did some photography and then sent the photographs to Sally to be turned into illustrations. So she, you know, if people flick through the book or have a look on um, my Instagram you can see how she's done it and it's sort of amazing really colorful and they wanted to do something really different um, there are photographs in the book as well by Izzy Croker which are really really nice so I mean it's just really arty isn't it I mean this is obviously beyond my ability I just let them work their magic um, anyway so that was great I had to go to the photography and watch that happening that was fun oh but yeah it is it's in um various bookshops um now i was going to promote your um you're having a book launch except you've already sold out yeah so books on the hill are um, that lovely bookshop on hollywell hill have got a fantastic little new cafe just um above it and we're doing a, a um, an event there in march and yeah i think it's pretty much sold out but you never know we might do another one okay. because it's such a lovely spot you should go and check it out actually this it's only just opened it's um available it's sort of open i think thursday to sunday the new cafe 
Okay. Well, so that sounds tiny. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and people can stay up to date with these sorts of things and news about you on, on social media. We'll put all the links in the description of our podcast now. So uh, if, if there are tickets available that become available or, or if you have another event or things like that, we can make sure people know. Now, are you ready for a Becky quiz? Oh, my God. What's this? What have you come up with? So... Uh, I don't know if you've done this yourself or not. This isn't necessarily always a healthy thing to do, but but I put your name into the into the internet to see what came up, right? Um, because I thought you know Becky Alexander, acclaimed author, and I've got quite a few results here, so I thought I'd have a quick game of Becky or not Becky, okay? Because these are books, so so you've got to say whether you think these books are written by Becky Alexander or not. Amazing. Okay. okay? Right. So we'll give you an easy one to begin with: the Hertfordshire Cookbook. Yes. Is that Becky or not Becky? That's Becky. That's Becky. You are right. Well done. Yes, that was one, that was your that was the last one you were flogging, wasn't it? Are we going to have sound effects on this? Oh, this? I'm I, like woohoo! If only <laughs> I wish I had a button that could go ting, but no, it's, um, alas, no. But that one is Becky, isn't it? Yeah, still available. Uh, as far as I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, the complete guide to baby naming ceremonies. Yes, that is Becky. You have correct. That surprised you. Um, yeah, but it's not you. Yes, it is me. It is you. But many, many, many years ago, I wrote that for a company who asked me to write it, gosh, 10, 15 years ago? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that one has surprised me. Okay. Uh, the next one, All the Light We Cannot See. Uh, no, not Becky. No, but weirdly came up. Oh. As a li- when I look for books by Becky Alexander on, on Amazon, that one was listed. It's Anthony Doer or Doer. Oh, gosh, or something. that's actually quite a famous novel. Yeah, I yeah. wish. But gosh. it's in your list. We'd, we wouldn't be here. We'd be in the Caribbean, wouldn't we? Okay. That's the truth. No, I think that's odd. That just shows how the internet sometimes is a little bit glitchy, doesn't it? Okay, I've got a few more, though. Okay. Uh, Coffee and Cookies with God, Volume 2. Uh, not Becky. Wrong. Really? It That's is by a Becky Alexander. No, that one sounds good, doesn't it? Okay, yeah. I mean, it's coffee. It's kind of food and drink related. I, I, I would have thought that might have been you more so than baby naming ceremonies. How but. funny. Okay. Uh, everybody's got the right. Uh, not Becky. You're correct. It's not Becky. But it came off again in the list. But I don't know. Uh, Freddie and the Circus Train. Not Becky? No. <laughs> Becky Alexander. No. Yep, yep, that was by Becky Alexander. It's a children's thing, as you could probably guess from that. That sounds amazing. People should buy that one. Yeah, okay. Uh, the Teenager's Guide to Life, the Universe, and Being Awesome. Uh, not Becky? You're correct. It was Penny Alexander who did that ah. one. Okay. And the, <laughs> and the <What>? final one, <laughs> One Smile, One Arm, Life Experiences with One Arm. Is that Becky or not Becky? That's not me. What is that you found? It is. It's by Becky Alexander. <laughs> I'm sure that's excellent as well. Oh, right. and I, I guess that I ha- about. I'm going to have to Google that. Yeah. Um, all right. And then the final one: packed lunch hacks and recipes to squeeze more nutrients into your day. Yeah, that that is me. That, that is one. you. Well done. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyway, Becky, um, thank you. We will put the link to the green lunch box um, in uh, the description of this podcast episode now it'll also be on our website stalbanspodcast.com and uh, we'll catch you again real soon see you soon bye hi i'm elspeth jackman inviting you to listen to my podcast one to one with elspeth find a local person with a story and i'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about if i'm fascinated so will you be Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is you can listen whenever you want to. 
To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's one-to-one with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Final news story now with Matt Adams from the Hearts Advertiser. I believe I have your slider up this time. Yes, you do. Oh, you didn't know that when you I said know. it. You spoke with confidence <laughs> because you could just tell from the look in my eye that I looked like I finally knew what I was doing. Makes a change. Yeah. <laughs> okay, final news story. Please. Right, a uh, question for you. Do you think that um, our elected MPs should be made to answer questions that, you know, perhaps a bit difficult or controversial? Yes, Good. So do we. Without a shadow of a doubt. In fact, I had Daisy Cooper on here uh, just before lockdown. And I think I had suggested that they should be allowed to sit in chairs that are somehow wired up. And the interviewer (laughs) should have a button. And if they don't answer, they get a little shock. Yeah. Well, maybe we could get a wire that goes all the way to Harpenden. Because um, Harpenden and Hitchin MP Bima Falami doesn't just... uh, you know, give us a, a no comment or, or a, you know, a line of spin. He just ignores us when we ask him things. Um, so we, this week, we're actually calling him out about this. Now, there's a lot, we've asked him um, a lot of questions over the last few months, uh, things like the BBC licensing fee freeze, um, Partygate, obviously, whether he has confidence in the Prime Minister, um, the uh, Owen Patterson scandal, all these things. He just doesn't reply. Uh, to, to, get, to put this into any kind, some kind of context, how does his non-response compare to Daisy Cooper, the other MP yeah. in this area? Daisy will get back to you any time of day. If, um, uh, so if you had to put a percentage on it, roughly what sort of percentage does, does he answer like half of your inquiries? He might, no, he, well, more or less? Very, a, a, a very few. It depends what the issue is. So less than half. Oh, yeah, a, a tiny, tiny percentage. And if, it, if it's something where he he feels he's not going to be seen as criticizing the government or you know having to take any sort of stance so um if you ask him for example about um uh you know um should he think does he think that Harpen and common um is a beautiful place in the summertime you'll probably get an answer yeah you know that sort of thing it's after the, he's the checked the head and, office yeah and and fluffy sort of things yeah but we've we, you know we so anything of substance anything of substance at all and 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 so just to reiterate then so you say he replies to less than half of things like that um and and in comparison how does um st albans mp daisy cooper she replies pretty much everything within an hour i would say right <laughs> um not you know she doesn't keep us um and in terms of waiting balance now what about her predecessor Anne main um Anne wasn't too bad um there was some, I, I, you know, d- d- you know yeah. so it's not, we're not accused no, of being no, no, sort of no, like anti-tory no. here no it's not it's not a, a party thing i think i think the thing about bimal falami is he's a careerist mp and he's you know in the past when he said anything that perhaps didn't toe the line he he got uh demoted um he was from his one of his previous position and he's now in a, in a, a less lesser role and so don't ask me where he works for because i can't remember it's a it's a very junior role isn't yeah. it within the within yeah. the government mm-hmm. now if now it's not in an mp's um job description that they have to that you know he, he's not doing anything wrong no, in not no, answering no. you he could he could ignore every single yeah, question you ever put to him now on but but it is in his job description to be accountable to the public 
and to to be able to gain what his his um, electorate uh, think and to be able to speak to his electorate if he's not doing it through you how is he doing that exactly you know it isn't just us that he ignores um so how it, does he put out messages to the people of Harpenden? how does he communicate with them if he's not using yeah, the local exactly. press i don't know i don't see many things maybe the old leaflet right but he um it's not as if like there's a rival newspaper and he's just going no, to them instead no, is not it? at all not at all but it's, um one of his constituents who is, is a openly a lib- liberal democrat has been writing him um she, he's written to him 11 times since uh, the end of last year on the same issue after just you know very politely asking for a response on on the standards uh, in parliament uh, situation do, do um do do his constituents have any type of recourse on this obviously apart from the fact they can decide to not vote for him in the next general election yeah it's not like you can't you know you can't really go anywhere to to complain about it it's, I'm un- well, I, was gonna- I thought that you could. I thought, isn't there a way that they can contact the local, is it Conservative Association? Oh, yeah, I suppose you could. And if enough yeah. people do it, that it forces a recall or something yeah, other? Yeah, but I very much doubt that that'll happen. Okay. Um, I just thought it was worth mentioning yes, that. If worth, there are those yeah, that, that yeah. you're talking, you know, if there are yeah, those who feel outraged by that. Yeah. Um, I'm not suggesting people should do that. I'm just, you know, if, if he's not engaging with his electorate and if enough people aren't happy about it, I'm just wondering if do they have to wait till the next general election? When often people don't, a lot of people don't vote for the MP anyway, do they? They no, think no, they no. look at the leader in party charge. lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, it will be interesting to see if he says anything. Um, you know, in the wake of the Sue Gray report, uh, which, as we're recording this, hasn't come out yet. But yeah, we're still waiting for it. it. So by the time today. people listen to this, mm. they might it might well be yeah. there, um, and we'll know what's going on. But we don't know at the moment. But uh, I, I would, I mean, the thing is, so can this could this also this ploy or policy of of bims then to not engage with the local newspaper that surely can massively backfire on him because then what if he wants to promote something or well, push yeah, something yeah i mean he was he was you know he basically uh, demanded a a column um after seeing daisy had one <laughs> right um she writes each month about you know which is very much a self-promotional thing but yeah you know it, there's going to be lots of other things he's going to want to speak about because I guess you, you're under no obligation to have to publish anything that he no, gives you. No, same way. No, I mean the man's a fool. It's yeah. It, he, I mean, some people, some of the comments people have said on social media about this was like, you know, they would rather he he came out either way, you know, just to say something rather than sit on the fence and wait to see which way mm. the wind blows. Yeah, yeah. He he hasn't fared well on this podcast, um, but he has done nothing to in any way endear himself you know it, 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 like he's never reached out to us daisy Cooper no, did no and we we, we no he's never reached out to me wrong. i've never met the guy yeah i mean with the st albans podcast but we include harpenden in that yeah. and, and if he wanted to he could come on here and i'd be happy to talk to him i'd be happy to talk to him about whatever he wanted to talk about as long as there was also time to talk about whatever i felt was important to ask him all the questions you gave me in advance whatever <laughs> it may be um but uh, well there you go bim this is your this is your lifeline mate if you want <laughs> to be heard in the local area get in touch danny at st com. we'll put you on here um and we'll put you on here with matt adams so if you're brave enough come on and uh, and, and and we'll give you we'll, we'll, we'll give you a good ch- fair chance but i'm not gonna hold my breath no he's well funny if we went to his office to ask him her comment on the fact that he doesn't comment on any stories what do they say no reply <laughs> so is that even a no comment no reply no, it's, it's thing, not it's no even comment. a no, no comment no. okay well come on bim pull your socks up mate right anyway 
Uh, that's it for another edition of the St Albans podcast thank you to Becky Alexander uh, for sharing with us um, once again uh, basically banging on about a book buy a book we haven't recorded it yet I'm assuming that's what it's going to be about oh she can't stop talking about it <laughs> yeah but if you if you'd written a book you'd be banging on about it wouldn't you uh, yes yeah. I did write co-wrote write a book once yeah yeah what was it about um, it was called a thousand one ridiculous ways to die Okay, nice cheery little stocking filler. Yeah, it was supposed to be sort of an irreverent look at um, some of the unusual ways people have shuffled off this mortal coil. Okay, uh, do you still st- available? Yeah, probably. From <laughs> <laughs> Amazon, I'm sure. I'm sure I carried half a dozen boxes of that up into your loft. Um, okay, well, anyway, well, next time you've got a book out, Matt, you you. Oh, well, come plug it. Yeah, you've yeah. got a slot here for sure. But yeah, thanks to Becky. Uh, coming up on the St Albans podcast. Uh, next week we have um, the uh, communities first they'll be here talking about um, volunteering in the local area and the latest opportunities and all that sort of stuff uh, coming up this week we've got the film guide with Sam on Friday uh, on Sunday it's the Dagnall Street Baptist Church virtual service with Simon Carver and on Monday another edition of One to One with Elspeth if you want to know more about the podcast check out our website com. if you want to know more about local news check out heartsad.co.uk we'll see you again real soon Thanks for listening to this edition of the St. Albans Podcast with Danny Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or a podcast platform of your choice. This will help us reach more listeners. Join us, the St. Albans Podcast, next Wednesday for more news, views and reviews. In the meantime, commit no nuisance. Produced by Samantha Rolfe. Logo and artwork by David Ellis. This is an independent production in association with the Hearts Advertiser. If you would like to become a community partner or a sponsor of the podcast, please visit stalbanspodcast.com for more details.